You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. in a gentle way. The Holy Spirit is a helper who comes alongside us and helps expand our ability to reason and to make good judgments. Under His influence, a person will experience real power and real transformation. A person on the influence of the Holy Spirit will be faithful to God and His Word in both speech and deed. You can see someone who's really trusting in the Holy Spirit because their life is led by God. In today's message, Pastor Dave talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all of the amazing things that it can help us do. Pastor Dave will tell you that under the influence of the Holy Spirit, a person will experience real power and real transformation. You'll learn how to be faithful to God and His Word in all of your words and deeds. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 11 as he continues his message, Rejected by Men, Chosen of God. I see a lot of past out there today because if there's one thing we all have is a past. We all have a past. What was Jephthah's past? He was unwanted by his brothers because his mother wasn't their mother. His father had some sort of an illicit affair with another woman and Jephthah was born. He grew up unwanted, feeling unloved. And because of that, he became the toughest kid on the block. And therefore, he went to live in this place called Tob known for its band of marauders and murderers. And they all had something in common. They were all tough and tumble, so they banded together. They banded together. These men, rejected by other men, but they were chosen of God. I love that. Rejected by man, but chosen by God. I love that. Why? Well, one thing that comes right off my mind is God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He does things that are not our ways. Jephthah was unopposed. And as we look at verses 4 to 11, we know that this mighty man of valor had followers. He had sort of an army, but his brothers didn't want him, but the elders of Israel did. Let's read 4 to 11. And it came to pass after a time that the people of Admin made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel, that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. They said to him, Jephthah, come and be our commander that we might fight against the people of Ammon. I guess you need the baddest guy around. I guess you need the tough guy. You know what I mean? If if somebody's going to beat you up, I mean, you know, when somebody came to beat me up, I always used to get my older brothers. You you always want the tough guy when you're getting beat up, right? So they're going, "Who's, who's the toughest guy we know? Jephthah. He's a mean dude. Let's go get him. He'll take care of us. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, do you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? That's a good question. Wasn't I the one that you called illegitimate or called me some nasty names? Why all of a sudden do you want me? I mean, come on. You don't have anything to do with me now. You want me to do your dirty work. 
So the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, that is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over the inhabitants of Gilead. In other words, we want you because nobody can beat you up. You're the baddest guy we know. We want you to be on our side. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? So the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all the words before the Lord in Mizpah. Interesting, please fight for us. Isn't it how interesting? Have you ever had this happen to you? Have you ever had words with somebody or an argument with somebody or just this vagrant discussion with somebody? Then all of a sudden you need the person. <laughs> all of a sudden you need them for something. And it's like, uh, well, uh, or, uh, and, um, you know, all of a sudden you have to go talk to this person. And after you've just had a, words with them, or maybe you've treated them poorly your entire life. Well, that's what's happening here. Fight for us. We know we did you bad. We know we did you wrong, but you know, come on. And maybe we've judged you unworthy of our love and support, but you know what? We needed you. But he has a condition for his leadership. He would lead them if they named him ruler. I love this. Can you now, can you imagine the look on the faces of his brothers when he came marching back into town and they all said, here's our leader. And they're like, what? What? You gotta be kidding me. This reminds me of Joseph's brothers when they found out Joseph was still alive. You know, we talked about this before. The old Jackie Gleason chick. Humana, 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 humana. They're alive. What do you mean he's alive? Look at this. Or how about David's brothers? Can you imagine the look on their faces when they went through the entire line of them and all of a sudden the Lord says, isn't there another one? Yeah, some little ruddy guy out back. Yeah, bring him out. Can you imagine the look on their faces? They want this punk. They want this little guy. But think about it. Oh, someone else rejected. Someone else rejected from day one, almost for the same reason that Jephthah was rejected. They called him illegitimate. Probably had a few choice words for him too. It was Jesus Christ. He was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by the ones that he was sent to save. They rejected him. Came to his own and his own rejected him. Interesting. But Jephthah takes on the responsibility. He says, I'm going to do this. I like the fact that he speaks of the Lord. I like the fact that, look at this. In verse 9, if you take me back to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, I like that. He's already showing his faithfulness to God. He's always showing that God is in control and the Lord delivers them to me. It's not like if you take me back there and I go out and beat the snot out of these guys, Are you going to give me something for my thing? No, he said, no, if the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? And then they make this pact with him. The Lord be witness between us if we don't do it according to your words. So Jephthah is a pretty cool guy. 
even though he's a rough and tumble kind of sort, he wants to make nice with the Ammonites. So he's going to go out there and he's going to try to negotiate with them. He's going to go out there and he's going to negotiate them. And that's what we see through 12 through 28. We see him negotiating with the Ammonites. Let's read through there and then we'll talk about it. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, the people of Ammon, saying, What do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? And the king of the people of Ammon answered the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel took away my land when they come up out of Egypt from Arnon as far as Jabuk and to the Jordan. Now therefore, restore those lands peaceably. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of Ammon and said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner they sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. And they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, came to the east side of the land of Moab and encamped on the other side of Arnon. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon, and Israel said to him, Please let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered up all his people together, encamped in Jahaz, and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited the country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites, from the Arnon to the Jabuk, and from the wilderness of Jordan. And now the Lord God of Israel has disposed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you then possess it? Will you not possess whatever Kamush your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes possession before us, we will possess. And now, are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, in Arior and its villages, and in all the cities along the banks of Arnon for 300 years, why did you not recover them with that time? Therefore... I have not sinned against you, but you have wronged me by judging, or excuse me, by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words of Jephthah sent him. So this diplomatic solution doesn't work out. He looks for peaceful negotiations. He has arguments trying to get a peaceful negotiation. What do you see interesting? One thing that really endears me to this guy. I like this guy. One thing really endears me to him. He knew scripture. He knew the history of Israel. And he was able to bring it forth and tell the king of Ammon, hey, wait a minute. We didn't come in and take this land at first. We did this, then we did this, then we did this, then we did this. We talked to this king, we talked to that king, you know. He rehearsed all this history. The guy knew his scripture. This is what I was talking about at first. Remember what I said? If Israel had reviewed their history and known what the Lord had done for them, they would have relied on the God's faithfulness. And here you have Japheth relying on God's faithfulness. He was looking for peace. He wasn't looking for a fight. 
We just studied, as a matter of fact, a while ago in the book of Romans, in Romans 12, in verse 18 of chapter 12, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. All he's trying to do is make peace with these guys. He's trying to go about a diplomatic solution without war. I think this is admirable. But the king of Ammon only wanted to reclaim that which the Lord had taken from him. That's what he's calling about it. You can read about that in Numbers 21. But Israel is not guilty. He says, I didn't sin against you. What does that mean? That means that Israel did not steal the land. God gave it to him. There's a difference. God gave him the land. And that was his best argument in verses 23 and 24. Listen, we didn't take this land from you. It was given to us by our God. He declared that God of Israel was the one true living God and that it was his will that had been fulfilled in allowing Israel to gain the victory and take the land. Brings up a scripture. God before you, who can be against you? If God before you, who can stand against you? And the third argument that he had is, hey, wait a minute. We have been in this land for centuries. The first thing I thought of was possession is nine-tenths of the law. You know, we have a hold of the land. We've been here for a long time. It's not like we got in here last week. It's not like we got in here last week. We've been here for approximately 300 years. The final kicker, the final kicker was, hey, guys, you're fighting against the Lord God. You're fighting against the number one God, the one true living God, and that's not a good idea. I advise you against this. The Ammonites obviously don't take it. They don't take the peace offering, and they want to fight. They want to have a war. Something happens now. When it becomes time for war, something happens to Jephthah. Same thing happened to Othanel, and the same thing happened to Gideon. Let's look at verse 29. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Spirit of the Lord came upon him. God's spirit upon Jephthah was like the good housekeeping seal to a homemaker. It was God's seal of approval. It was God's seal of ownership. God empowered him by the Holy Spirit now. It was God's way of saying in front of everybody, Jephthah, you're my man. It was almost like God was anointing him now with this power, with this power source that he could now do the work that God was calling him to do. This became not only the source of his strength, but it became the source of his courage. When we are beset by fears, when we are beset by anxieties, we need to fill our lives with Jesus and to be filled with overflowing with his Holy Spirit. Jephthah's biggest mistake, we're going to find out, was making a foolish bargain with God. Thinking that he would probably see a bull or a man. We're going to get to that probably next week. And though it was a well-intentioned vow, it was a foolish vow. Sometimes we make these foolish vows, just like we talked about, in an attempt to get God on our side. It's far more to be on God's side than trying to persuade him to be on your side. But what does this prove me? What does this prove to me? A couple of things, if you'll bear with me here. I'm kind of getting off the side here. It proves to me that we have 
not control over the spirit, but we can quench the spirit, we can grieve the spirit, we cannot follow the spirit. This proves to me that a man filled with the spirit might be able to do foolish things, might be able to say foolish things. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't overwhelm you or control you. Like I said, you can grieve, quench, ignore the working of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is supposed to guide us. And that guidance can be resisted. That guidance can be be ignored, even in smaller or greater areas. The Holy Spirit leads us in a gentle way. The Holy Spirit is a helper who comes alongside us and helps expand our ability to reason and to make good judgments. Under his influence, a person will experience real power and real transformation. A person under the influence of the Holy Spirit will be faithful to God and his word in both speech and deed. You can see someone who's really trusting in the Holy Spirit because their life is led by God. And you can see it. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, we receive strength so that whenever we're facing difficulty, we may overcome that difficulty. The Spirit will connect our hearts to the things of God. And this is what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Jesus said, I have to go. If I go, I will send you another. The word for another is allos. It means one exactly the same. One exactly the same. Jesus said, I'm sending you me. I'm sending you me. The third person of the Trinity, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is now here within us. Leads us to Jesus, shows us Jesus, convicts us of sin, convicts us of judgment, convicts us of righteousness, guides us, leads us, empowers us, strengthens us. Someone trying to live their life under the, without the influence of the Holy Spirit is like someone walking in circles because one of their feet is nailed to the floor. And they keep coming to telling me, how come I can't get over this? You're not relying on the Holy Spirit. You're relying on your own self. You're not relying on your own power. The Lord heard the prayer of Jippa. And the Lord gave him a great victory. Let's read 29 through 33. Spirit of the Lord came upon Japheth, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, and passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah to Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. And Japheth made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Japheth advanced toward the people of Ammon, to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hands and he defeated them from Aora as far as Mintha, 20 cities, said, and to Abel, Kirman, with a great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of the Lord. What caused this great victory? What is the bottom line that God acted upon here with this great victory? We read to you last week in Hebrews 11. It was Jephthah's faith. It was his faith. He believed God. He believed God. 
was able to do all that he was going to do, all that he could do. And he was going to give him full reign to do that. I think it's verse 32 in Hebrews 11. If you read 32 down, and then what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, of Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Faith that he had. The circumstances of a person's birth, the family which they were raised, are never a handicap to the person who will live by faith and faith alone. God is no respecter of persons. God does not look on the outside. God doesn't look. He looks at the heart. God looks upon the heart of an individual and sees what he can make of them. He wants a heart that is given to them. God is looking at your heart right now and says, where is it? Are you giving me all of your heart? Is there something that you want to do for God? Have you given him all your heart? Have you given him access to your heart? What was Japheth's source of faith? I believe it was the word of God. He knew the word of God. He knew the word of God. Interesting passage. It says that in John 1, excuse me, in 1 John 5, verse 4, says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is our victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. See, we have a very, very strong enemy. And he is threefold. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. The unholy trio. They work in concert. They work in concert to trip us up. John had said in his epistle that The world was defined by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. But Jesus gives special promises to those who have overcome the world by faith. All through Revelation, he says, those who have overcome, you will eat of the tree of life that was in the midst of the paradise of God. You will eat the hidden manna. You will get a white stone, a stone of new name written on it that no man knows. You will have power over nations. You'll be clothed in white raiment. Your name won't be blotted out of the book of life. You're going to be a pillar in the temple of God. He's going to write the name of God on it, in the city of the name of the God. To him who overcomes, I will grant you to sit with me on my throne, even as I have overcome and sat down by God the Father. He did over home show and heard all things. This is the victory that those who overcome the world. What overcomes the world? Our faith. It's our faith. This is what people are looking for today. People are looking to overcome the world. They're looking to overcome the lust of the world. You are the Old Testament book of Judges that we've been studying with Pastor Dave Shank gives us a glimpse into the intriguing history of the nation of Israel. The continuous pattern we discover finds them following God, then turning away from Him, becoming aware of their sin, and finally repenting and stepping back into God's path. Each time, God brought a judge to lead them creatively back to himself. 
showing His power and mercy time and time again. Israel's history is one we still see today. Many of us fall into the same cyclical relationship with God. We follow Him for a time, fall into sin, and need to be reminded of our errors. God is always faithful to forgive us, though, when we come to Him in repentance. His mercy is new every day and is big enough to cover every sin. We are so glad you tuned in today to Assure Hope. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard. If you have any questions about this ministry or if you want to know more about the forgiveness God can offer you, please give us a call. Our phone number is 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray with you and we'll do our best to answer your questions. That phone number again is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Assure Hope, just visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Thanks for being a part of our time here today, and we hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope.